You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I was just taking a victory lap because one of the great purchases of my life is in the man cave. I bought a disco ball and I didn't know how to use it. But I bought it for the American Unathletic Association of America, our three-on-three basketball tournament, and I thought it would be great for player introductions. I, I bought a smoke machine, too, for player introductions. And then, then, of course, the pandemic happened, and just like all the other great sports leagues, we were put on hold here. Uh, we have no time frame for when we will resume the AUAA. But I saw this disco ball, and I said, I got to have it. And we've been using the disco ball when Mario reads uh, some of the tweets on the air. And we have a segment on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, giving him a little airtime. Marvin, who answers the phones, getting a little airtime as well, uh, reading email. So that disco ball, man, it's going to come in handy. And you can't have a bad day if you have a disco ball, can you? When that starts spinning and the light hits it, Although we're going to find out if you can have a bad day. But as for now, I love I love me some disco ball. It brings back some decent memories. Yeah, Paul. Now, you were a rock DJ, an FM rock DJ in the mid to late 70s. Oh, yeah. Were you anti-disco or were you kind of in between? I was, I don't think I was anti, but it wasn't going to be in my, uh, my music repertoire. I appreciated the Bee Gees. I truly appreciated their ability to sound like that. And they came up with great hits and they had great hair. But uh, I, I wasn't adverse to uh, to disco because, you know, they had disco demolition night at Comiskey Park many, many, many decades ago. And of course, it was disastrous. Uh, but no, I'm OK with disco. I don't have any real adverse feelings to it. I'm open to just about anything. Anybody have a disco problem here? I see some cringing faces there. Seton O'Connor, disco, not not uh, on your music list? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's not on my music list necessarily. Yeah. Um, and, but I think, I don't know that all disco is created equally. <laughs> <laughs> but if Donna Summer comes on. She's great. Right? Great. Bee Gees are great. Yes. Yeah. But they're, the Bee Gees were great, but it felt like... America consumed them so quickly yeah. and they spit them out quickly right after that. They had a like a two or three year window or maybe four years where it was like Bee Gees were big. And then all of a sudden America went, mm, no, this doesn't. Too big, too fast, maybe or something like that. This doesn't taste good. Yes, Paul. I remember my mom liking the Bee Gees a lot, which made me think they were not cool. Mm. And I was looking for anything that she thought was too loud. If my mom thought it was too loud, I would buy those those records. But did we go into hair bands after that, right after disco? Or did it was big hair, then grunge? Yeah, it was big hair, then grunge. But just before the big hair thing, yeah. I'm not really sure. It, I mean, disco was in there somewhere, yeah. It went disco to uh, MTV. Oh, you know what? Actually, there was sort of like in between disco and maybe MTV was sort of, uh, I know that's when like, the Sex Pistols and all that happened. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that didn't last that long did no it? no okay. it didn't but that that took you into say like the early 80s okay and yes we you guys are forgetting about synth rock sort of uh like the guitar stays like 
every the synths went from disco to rock bands and ruined music for about 10 years, right? All those terrible... Are like, you calling out Rush? No, no, no. Rush is not synth. You mean like rock. new wave? Like, Paul, you're into like, uh, Depeche Mode. No, that's harder. Like, guys, uh, guys put it with a piano on a guitar strap, like Revenge of the Nerds. Guitar. Yeah, oh, like more the guitar. like a Hall and Oates. Well, if you look at like 1980, disco was pretty much dying. If you look at the 1982 Billboard top charts, the top songs were Physical by Olivia Newton-John, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett, uh, Centerfield, Centerfold by Jay Giles. Pretty much, we love in this. This is awesome. A lot of John Cougar, Human League, Hall and Oates, Rick Springfield, Foreigner. That was big in '82. Yes, Todd. I remember watching Andy Gibb and Marilyn McCoo counting down the solid gold 1981 hits. Number three was Kiss on My List. Number two was Let's Get Physical, Living Who and John. And number one, Kim Carnes. Betty Davis Eyes. Betty Davis Eyes at number one in 1981. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. All righty. Welcome to the program. Final hour. We've had a roller coaster ride here today. Yes, dude. That makes me think of, uh, like, I always knew it was summer vacation at that when we got in the car, for some reason, Casey Kasem's countdown oh. was on. And that was like the sound of summer to me. That meant we were driving, you know, either to Vermont on vacation or going down the Jersey Shore or wherever it was we were going. We would always, for some reason, we would get in the car. And I remember listening to Casey Kasem. And that was like, oh, man, it's summer. And you have that Sirius XM channel 70s on 7. And each Sunday, I think, they replay Casey Kasem that week back in the 70s with his countdown. And the fact that they, who would have thought you would be repurposing Casey Kasem, but they are. And it's, it's great. It's just great to, to yeah. hear case. <laughs> uh, let me see. All right. Where are we? So we, uh, we talked to Tennessee head football coach, Jeremy Pruitt. Well, I asked questions. Uh, Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner joined us. Chris Mannix talked about the bubble and uh, Marv Albert, Hall of Famer will join us. Coming up, we'll get to phone calls. We got a uh, poll question there, McLovin, we're staying with, or are we changing it up for the final hour? So the poll question the first two hours was, would you like a 100-game MLB season? 63% said yes. Well, we had the commissioner on, and he said that it's not happening, that it's 162, and he believes in the uh, historical aspect of that. He said 154, which is what it used to be. Then it went to 162. Uh, he also said that basically they had a 60-game schedule and that was it. They weren't budging off of that. And he does think they got to get the World Series in, playoffs in, because there's going to be a second wave coming back around. That's according to the uh, commissioner. Yes, McLevin? I've been trying to push this poll, but I guess it's only for media members. But if you were a media member, would you want to go to the bubble? I keep bringing that question up because it just seems so restrictive as a, as a young Am I person. single? Am I married? I'll give you 25. You don't have a family yet. Because obviously, if you have a family, it's a different story. Yeah, I, I would probably go if I was just starting out in this business. And <laughs> But I don't know how much access you're going to have there. Basically, you're going to be hanging around guys who do the same thing you do. Who's going to pay for it? I mean, it sounds so expensive. Three months of being on the company dime. I can't imagine many journalists can afford this on their own. Well, they can't. They can't. But, you know, how important is this to whoever your boss is, that content that you're going to have? You have to be able to say, I'm going to get content that is going to be worth the price of me going down there to Orlando. Media outlets are not about spending money these days. No, they're not. Uh, A couple other uh, synth pop, Duran Duran and The Cure also in there. Both great. 
I don't. Duran Duran, yeah. The Cure, I, I should like more, but I, I don't. I think I had a problem because he had eye makeup on and his hair looked like he was uh, yeah, yeah. Edward Scissorhands. His lipstick smeared yeah, all over his face. I, oh, love it. I never love it. Yeah, but I, uh, it's kind of glam rock or something like that. But then I was okay with Bowie dressing up the way he did right, right. Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> But that was 70s. I was different then. Saw The Cure uh, like three years ago, maybe at Austin City Limits. And it was awesome to see him come walking out with that, you know, pancake makeup face and his lipstick all over and his hair all over. You're like, dude, Robert's still doing it. I know. Oh my god, it was great. Yes, McLovin. When I was in high school, there were these kids who listened to The Smiths and The Cure, and they would wear black raincoats and be on Smokers Row. Yeah. And they were all seated, probably seated. I know Paulie's halfway there, <laughs> but I don't know if you guys had that in high school. Like the the Smiths and Cure fans were a separate lot. That wasn't in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, I think for my age group, it was more like the grunge kids. Yeah. So it was like, it was still kids listening to the Smiths and the Cure and then like Nirvana. But uh, yeah, still, you know, trench coat, smoking cigarettes, et cetera. That Smokers <laughs> Row thing didn't change at all. Standing right across the street from the school because if you stepped on oh, school yeah. grounds, you got demerits. Yeah. So you just went across the street and smoked five cigarettes real quick before school. Yeah, Paul. Dan, I was uncool even in the uncool group. The kids who listen to Cure and Smiths and all those bands, I love those bands. Yeah. They were my favorite. But they were wearing black stuff and boots and Doc Martens, and I was there wearing a pair of khaki pants and a Lacoste shirt. <laughs> I was the dork in the group of dorks. Uh, Not kidding. Man, high school was so tough. You're just trying to fit in. And and I was, you know, a pretty good athlete. And even then, I didn't quite fit in. For some reason, I was always on the fringes. And I I didn't I didn't like high school wasn't great. Yeah, McLovin. But if you're happy, and I think this is in a John Hughes movie, if you're happy in high school, you're doomed to a life of <laughs> disappointment. Yeah, it means you peaked. Oh, there were guys. Yeah, there were people who definitely peaked. Like there, there were girls who peaked. There were guys who peaked. And I kept thinking, one of these days, I'm going to peak. And I'm still waiting. Because one of these days, I'm going to peak. <laughs> like Kevin Costner. Yes, I'm going to peak. All righty. Uh, a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, let me see. Suzanne in New York joins us on the program. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good, Suzanne. What's on your mind today? Uh, first time, long time, six feet, pre-COVID, hard 175. All right. I, uh, I just wanted uh, to thank you all for entertaining us during this pandemic. It's, uh, it's been really helpful and to have a, you know, a clear, sane voice to listen to every day. But I do want to remind people when they thank us for being entertaining during the pandemic, we've been entertaining before the pandemic. <laughs> like, haven't we? I, or no? I, I, I don't know. I, I get this feeling that once the pandemic is over, people are going to go, I'm, I'm out of here. Oh, it's fact, just out of like extreme boredom that they're like, yeah. well, you know, these guys are actually pretty funny. You, you know what? I'm, I'm stuck in my house with nothing to do. You guys are kind of entertaining. <laughs> Anytime there's a pandemic, I'm going to tune in. Yes. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. The Dan Patrick <laughs> show. We're great during a pandemic. You're bored to death. Tune in to the damn Patrick When there's show. nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah, dot, dot, dot. What else, Suzanne? 
No, listen, uh, I share a birthday with the big German kid, so if oh. you could, you'd make my day if you told me happy birthday. All righty. Well, happy birthday, Suzanne. It's uh, Eric, the uh, big German, who uh, directs the show on YouTube.com, or at least tries to. It's his birthday today as well. So, Suzanne, happy birthday, and uh, thank you for calling in and Glad we could entertain you. Yes, McLevin. That was a close cousin of, I broke my leg and I've been in traction, so I was forced to watch you on a hospital bed because I couldn't turn the channel. Well, I've gotten a couple of those surgery guys. Hey, I've been at home, I uh, got surgery, and uh, stumbled upon the show. We're very traction friendly. <laughs> you're in traction, we're your show. Give me the remote. Nope. Yeah. Oh, we leave you in stitches. Literally. Yes, Todd. Yeah, usually the batteries die in the remote and you're forced to kind of keep it on. And for weeks on end, there's nothing you can do to change the channel. You can't get up. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. Jacob in Virginia. <laughs> Again, one of those moments See, where I didn't that, raise my hand. That's what you miss. <laughs> I was another no, calling on me without me raising my hand. That, the best I could do there. That's, Suzanne's out. She's not watching anymore. Suzanne's done that, with the show. That's what you're going to miss when the pandemic is over. If they find a cure, we're in trouble. Yes. Uh, hey, Jacob. <laughs> hey, uh, DP, uh, six foot one forty-five, a long-time listener before the pandemic, so pre-pandemic. Oh, good. Well, thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, just want to throw out, um, going off kind of what Maddox was saying, how much the Lakers roster now is resembling a uh, a Cleveland Cavaliers lineup from LeBron was, you know, going through all the finals, where you kind of got a bunch of role players, and I guess throw Anthony Davis in place of Kyrie, and you got a championship team, right? Yeah, I guess so. And you're right, Jacob. Thanks for the phone call. Because I would look at those Cleveland Cavalier teams that LeBron had, and the fact he got to an NBA Finals is truly remarkable with that team. I, I, I re-watched the decision last night, and when you realize the Knicks had LeBron, all they had to do is not screw it up. That was it. And they did. And imagine if LeBron had gone to New York. Now, Cleveland still would have hated him. But he would have made the, the Knicks relevant. And you would have probably, you would have had free agents who would have gone to play with LeBron. Because he's a player you want to play with because he shares the ball. Then he goes to Miami. The fact that he knew right after it was over. Social media was coming after him. And nobody was celebrating when they flew to Miami. And, you know, Chris Bosch is going there and Dwayne Wade's going there. Now, they didn't help themselves with the boys to men press conference with the smoke show and not one and not two and not three. And, okay, he's 25. He's having fun. Like, the, the things that we nitpick about LeBron, we would never even mention with other marquee athletes. Never. But with LeBron, oh, he's taking his talents to uh, South Beach. Kobe, years earlier, was taking his talents to the NBA as a high schooler and has sunglasses on his head and nobody said anything. LeBron, oh, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. All right. I know. Yes, McLovin. Is it the South Beach part of it? Like, what part of it was so... Uh, taking, taking my talents. Yeah, I feel like the South Beach part didn't help, too, because that sort of evokes, like, a something, like a celebrity party. Whereas Kobe... What did Kobe say? I'm taking my, my talents. My talents to the NBA. It's a little more. But but he even had that, um, well, I'm taking my talents, too, and then he paused, and he paused, and he paused, and he paused, and then, you know, like he was going to go to college. Yes, he... But LeBron already had so many more things 
And I'm not a LeBron hater at all. I'm very much a LeBron supporter. But he was already the chosen one. He was already, he was leaving, you know, Cleveland to join a super team to try and win a title. Like, he just had all of these things that were kind of stacked against him that, yep. um, you know, it's Kobe was just a high school kid taking his talents to the NBA, you know? Yeah. Whereas LeBron was the chosen one who, well, couldn't get it done there, but now you're going to go over here to do it. Like, there was just all of these crappy storylines around him. And you could see the frustration when LeBron would get eliminated in the playoffs because he kept looking around going, I'm never going to beat these teams by myself. And nobody wants to go to Cleveland. People didn't want to go there with Dan Gilbert. He tried to get Chris Bosh to go to Cleveland. Bosh is like, no, I'm going. I got a direct flight from Toronto to Miami. Yeah, Paul. LeBron gets criticized for jumping to different teams. But imagine if he stayed in Cleveland and he's 15 years in and didn't have a title. Imagine a criticism. He would, be, he would get the title of greatest athlete never to win one. And that's the worst title. I'd rather have a lot of criticism. And he gets criticized because he gets to the finals and he loses. But this is, this is an old tradition that we bash the team that loses in a championship game. We, we rarely celebrate. Butler, we celebrated. When Butler went to back-to-back title games, man, they, that's like a win for Butler. But when teams, when the Buffalo Bills lost those four Super Bowls, we don't credit them for going to four consecutive Super Bowls, which will never happen again. It was always, you lost the Super Bowl. You guys are bums. He loses the NBA Finals. Oh, you know, Jordan never lost. He, he's getting to more NBA Finals than Mike ever did. And he might end up getting to the Finals more than anybody else. Yeah, McLovin. But there's always that idea that one conference is so much stronger than the other that it does like that's what the Broncos and the Bills were like. The AFC was down for a long time. So the Broncos would get out of a bad AFC. Same with LeBron in that early. I know, but you have to play the teams that are in front of you on your schedule. Like you can't go, hey, you know, don't like when Buffalo got there. So there's no other good team. Yeah, the AFC was bad then. Yeah, they uh, that's what it's a thing. Do we hold that against the Patriots? Oh, I do. The AFC East. Oh, you do. <laughs> Watch Tom. Tom's <laughs> going to regret leaving that AFC East. <laughs> yes, Todd. I don't think Elway uh, got too criticized for in three Super Bowls in four years. They got destroyed. Yeah, he did. But he, he, got he got killed. I don't think oh, he got, I got killed. He couldn't win the big one. I thought it was more of like the Broncos as a team. Oh, that team again. They're going to be just lost 39-20 and then 42-10 now, 55-10. I don't remember it being all so much on Elway's shoes. Yes, McLovin. There's a running joke in The Simpsons about how the Denver Broncos can't walk and chew gum at the same time in the late 80s. It's he, they get killed. Oh, yeah. And you're right. But they would get unfair. blown out. That was the problem. If you got to the Super Bowl and you got blown out, you were forgotten. You were left for dead. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Elway was 0-3, and his, his, the third Super Bowl, he had two picks. I mean, it, he was, it was tough times. You could find stories. Yeah, McLovin. Do you think LeBron would have won, though, if he stayed, found a way to get players there eventually? He obviously did win in Cleveland. If he had never left at some point, don't you think he could have gotten somewhere to go there? I mean, he obviously won one there. Well, he had Kyrie and you have Kevin Love. So Kyrie is there. If LeBron doesn't leave, then Kyrie is not taken by the Cavaliers because they won't have the number one pick. And then they used another number one pick. Was that Wiggins? who They sent to Minnesota to get Kevin Love. So he did. He helped build the Cavs accidentally by leaving so they could get Kyrie Irving and then coming back. And then they had some, you know, collateral that they could send to Minnesota to get Kevin Love. 
but that's the only way they got people. Yeah, Paul. Going back to Elway, not to pile on because he is one of the all-time greatest. He he was 0 for 3 in the Super Bowl. In the third Super Bowl, he was 10 of 26 with 108 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. And then he went seven more years without appearing in the Super Bowl. Elway's career is, is drastically changed by those last two. Yeah. I mean, I know that's Captain Obvious, but you got to look at it at the time. Thanks to Terrell Davis. I mean, that... He, I think Terrell Davis, you know, you can say is largely responsible for how Elway is now perceived because they ran the football, they ran it down the throats in the, uh, the opposition in those Super Bowls, especially Green Bay. But if they don't win, then Elway is not in the conversation as, you know, greatest quarterback. I mean, he's not the greatest quarterback. I think he's as talented, if not more talented, than any quarterback I ever saw. And a game on the line... Elway would, you know, if you say, hey, you're taking Montana or Marino or Brady or Russell Will, and you give me Elway, I'm good with that. All right, we'll take a break. More phone calls coming up. We'll check in with Marv Albert. He's not going to the bubble in Orlando. How concerned is he about this season getting off to a good start and maybe seeing it through to completion? 22 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, by searching FSR. More phone calls coming up. I think we got a busy show tomorrow as well. Don Mattingly is going to join us. Duncan Robinson of the Heat. You didn't even know. You make it sound like you know who he is. (laughs) He he came from like Division Three. starts hitting a bunch of three-pointers. Two two weeks ago, you didn't know who he was. And then I said, he's got an unbelievable backstory. I did a little research. It sounds like someone worth having on the show. Yeah, you should do more of that. Tony Clark's coming on tomorrow. MLB Executive Director of Players Association. All right. Let me me go conspiracy theorist. Who was was booked first, (laughs) Tony Clark or Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred? That would be Tony Clark for tomorrow. Do you think? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. I I believe you. I think it was a reactionary booking that the baseball commissioner's office did you say we were having Tony Clark on on Thursday? I may have mentioned that. <laughs> okay, and that's good job by you, Todd. Good job by you. And uh, you tracked down Marv Albert, uh, NBA on TNT, Hall of Fame broadcaster and apparently not going to the bubble. Marv, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Good, Dan. How are you and your uh, entire crew? Everybody's good. These crazy times. How difficult was it to uh, make that decision to not go to Orlando to do the games? Well, I, I was getting actually very excited about the challenge, you know, after it had been discussed, uh, how it would be set up, etc. But I started to have second thoughts, particularly with the uh, the spike recently in, in Florida. And uh, I felt to be practical uh, uh, you know, then I was not sure what I was going to do. And then Jeff Zucker, the uh, president of uh, Warner Media, called, and we discussed it. And he thought the right move would be to uh, pass up on it. And, and, and I agree. Uh, you know, I'd love to be there, but uh, I think in my my age group, there are you know more possibilities. It's a higher risk. Uh, so, but the new the seventy nine is the new seventy eight. <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> Todd, so uh, oh, I have my mic. Yeah, I'll be Todd. I'll be watching it. I hope it gets off. I think that you know they 
the bubble concept and the uh, parameters set up by Commissioner Adam Silver are on target, but uh, the virus is extremely challenging, particularly in, in, as we all know, in Florida. But I wondered, I, I thought initially, and maybe I, I misread this with Kevin Harlan, that maybe you guys were going to do it from Atlanta, broadcast from there and you know, watch the games on a monitor. Was that ever a possibility? That, that, was, that was one of the, uh, the possibilities, uh, and I think that uh, Turner and ESPN changed their mind. That, that would bring me, me back to my early days, uh, like when I was 11 years old, getting interested <laughs> in sports broadcasting. I would turn down the sound on the TV, and I would do it on my woolen sack tape recorder, uh, be it basketball, baseball. I was very versatile at that time. And um, I actually got a crowd record. Uh, there was a, an announcer by the name of Les Kiter. I don't know if you know that name. No, no. Yeah, he, he did a lot of championship fights. He did the Knicks for a year or two. Uh, then uh, did uh, quite a bit of basketball in Philadelphia. But he would do recreations the year after the Dodgers and Giants moved to the West Coast of uh, the games and in, in a uh, New York studio on WINS in New York and would use the crowd sounds. And uh, I did it one year doing the Syracuse Chiefs uh, in Syracuse. And the road games, to save money, were done off a ticker with crowd sounds. <laughs> and if there was a delay on the ticker, suddenly there might be a, a slight rainstorm at the ballpark that actually did not happen. <laughs> So I thought I might be, we might be going back to those days. But, no, they're, they're hoping, you know, if all works out, to do it. Uh, there'll be, I guess, three venues, and it could be as many as seven games a day. Uh, and uh, I, I, I thought, you know, before this surge came in Florida, I thought the NBA had the best best chance, best plan. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think baseball will have a problem, although they're going to – Put the teams in, you know, into regions. You know, for example, the Mets, Yankees, Boston, Philly, etc. But this thing at regular, this thing at hotels, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not going to be the kind of bubble that the NBA has set up. And things can happen even, you know, with that bubble. And as far as you know, NFL and college football, it's a contact sport. I, I don't know how they're going to pull that off. I hockey, yeah. hockey too is. It's going to be tough. Very tough. Yeah. How Hope many they work it out, but it's going to be tough. How many NBA games have you called in your career? You know, I've never counted. <laughs> uh, it must be, I mean, it's thousands, I would guess. Uh, 5,000, 10,000? Probably about five, somewhere in that range, maybe, maybe more. What, uh, what was the greatest performance you ever called? Greatest individual performance you ever called? Well, for several reasons, because of the condition he was in, the Michael Jordan, quote, flu or bad pizza game uh, uh, in the finals against Utah, what he accomplished when you watched him. And, you know, people in the stands didn't know what was happening. We were informed that he was not feeling well. He was sick. But he was hunched over. He was helped to the bench constantly, and he—I don't recall the—you know—the uh, 
the totals from the box score, but he was extraordinary. Uh, I, I've never seen uh, that type of performance in a big game. I mean, I'm sure players have been ill, you know, while they play, but what he did under those conditions uh, just to me is is the best performance I've ever seen, but more so because of his uh, of his health mm-hmm. at the time. Where's I mean, there been so many. Uh, uh, you know, between Michael and LeBron and Bird, you know, you go right, you know, go right through it. Uh, Walt, Clyde, Frazier, Willis, Reed, back to those days. Uh, well, you know, you bring up Clyde Frazier. We're talking to Marv Albert. I still think that Clyde Frazier's performance in Game 7 against the Lakers in 1970 is one of the more underrated performances in the history of the game because Willis Reed, you know, I think he scored four points. But the emotional lift, and he was named the uh, MVP of the finals. I think Clyde Frazier put in 36 points, 18 assists. That sound about right, Marv? Yeah, I think it was 36, 19, and then a number of... Six assists, six steals. Yeah, yeah. Well, Clyde will agree uh, with you. (laughs) But no, I I do also, and I thought it was an emotional vote because of the inspirational aspect of what Willis did. Uh, He was not supposed to play, and uh, uh, he he actually did not play in game six, and the Knicks uh, got killed. Uh, Chamberlain had a big game, but uh, Willis was not supposed to play and walks out, you know, the Lakers during a warm-ups and uh, came out late just before the anthem, and the Lakers just stopped and stared. They couldn't, I, I never forget Chamberlain and West, you know, just looking over, they couldn't believe he was coming out to the, I mean, they were really affected by that. And then he goes out, and it was the loudest crowd I've ever heard, at, uh, probably anywhere, uh, when he stepped onto the court. And I, I ended up doing his, you know, his couple of warm-up shots, and they were going nuts when he hit like a corner jump or you know, a jumper from the foul line. And then he, you know, hits his first two shots, yeah. and he's limping around the court, you know, uh, and just hung in there to rebound and box out. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he didn't put up the numbers, but the rest of the team, and that was a, a, just a great group. It reminds me of, uh, well, similar to the uh, Celtics of their great years and the Lakers and the San Antonio Spurs uh, and the Warriors, the way they moved the ball, you know, passed the ball. A very smart team, similar to all those teams. It was Bill Bradley and Willis and uh, Dave DeBusher and Dick Barnett and Clyde and a you know a couple of guys off the bench. He didn't play many bench players, so uh, it, it captured New York too. Because first of all, it's their first championship, uh, and that's a team that would have would have won many more had they not had injuries. They won one one other. They beat the Lakers in five. A couple of years after that, yeah, seventy three. I think was Willis Reed the MVP of that Finals too? No, he was hurt. He, he oh okay. Uh, yeah, they had Jerry Lucas at that oh, time. Oh, that's right, yeah. Playing center. They traded him for Cassie Russell. Uh, but it was Willis MVP. No, he didn't get – he was on the bench, but he didn't get the vote. Yeah, no. I thought maybe he'd still get it, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, you'll be missed, but uh, I think you're making the, the smart decision there, as tough as it must be for you. And uh, it's great to catch up with you, Marv. Thanks, Dan. Always good talking to you. I, I appreciate it. That's uh, Marv Albert, Hall of Famer, lead announcer for the NBA on TNT. I'm looking at the numbers here for Jordan. Jordan played 44 minutes in uh, Game 5, 1997 finals. He was 13-27. to 27. 
He uh, had a couple three-pointers, ended up with 38 points. 38 points, five steals, seven rebounds. Eh. But keep the flu game. Food poisoning? Now it's just another game. You know, it's food poisoning. Flu? Just the whole Air Jordan thing, flu, spelled differently, obviously. That's why I, I think he had altitude sickness. I do. Yeah, Paul. I know we talked about this ad nauseum, pardon the pun, but what would be the reason to change the story? There was no, there's nothing negative about getting the flu. Or, or does Jordan look at it as like, I'm invincible. I don't get the flu. Someone else had to do that. No, I me. think it's about, there's like a, almost like a plot to poison him. Right, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he had to blame somebody else. It can't be him being sick. Someone got me sick. Yeah, is it that maniacal? I have no idea. Yes, yes. Like it can't be me. I don't get sick. No. I'm Jordan. No. Yes, McLovin. Are we sure these stats are right? I don't remember him missing a shot in that game. No, or any other he, finals well, game. <laughs> when we did the highlights that night, he did not miss a shot. I don't think. You know, we added those together. Mike never missed a game-winning shot. Never. You know, I just wonder. When you're like that with Michael Jordan, what Michael Jordan does, it's about winning. It's winning little battles. It's little wars, big battles, big wars. And I wonder where he, like, how he is going to be, not survive, but you embrace it. Or, I mean, that's why I always bring this up. But there's certain guys who have, like Lance Armstrong is Lance Armstrong. He's not changing. Pete Rose is not changing. Roger Clemens not changing. Barry Bonds not changing. Michael Jordan not changing. That's how they got there. But they have to live in that world. And while you say, well, that, yeah, they make all that money. And no, it, it, they do. I don't know if they're happy because they were all about winning. It'd be winning and at bat, it'd be winning a game, uh, winning a rivalry, winning a championship. And that's where I feel like. If you said you can be like Michael or be like LeBron, I'd be like LeBron in a second. I think LeBron enjoys his life. I don't know if Michael does. Because he can't turn that off. It's always there. He's always looking for that. Yeah, Paul. But is there any chance it's the opposite? Michael's oblivious and, and thinks, this is fantastic. I love being me and I love being better than you. And he never thinks about... Or doubts himself. Well, he might not doubt himself, but I think he's stuck in that world that this is what made him great, but, and he can't get out of that world. We watched and we marveled. But, you know, you know, that guy was made cameos in my life, but I didn't know what he was like. You know, I, I heard he was, it was tiring to be around him for a long period of time. Tiring. Because everything was a competition. Everything. The fact that he spit on his pizza when he went to use the bathroom so the other guys in the room wouldn't eat his pizza, whether you believe that or not, the detail that he's gone into just to prove that he had food poisoning. Can never turn it off. It's like with Pete Rose. He was so competitive. And then he became a manager. Well, he can't play, so he gambled. Like that, that was his competition. Like you just have to. Mike loves to gamble. Like you got to have something. 
This has to be for something. You ever been around people where you go, uh, you know, let's just play golf. No, we got to play for money. And I go, I don't want to play for money. It brings out the bad Danny. You don't want to see the bad Danny. By the way, when I'm doing an interview, you got to turn your microphone. I forgot on. to shut my mic. We were doing the little Manfred Clark thing, and I forgot to shut my mic. That was my bad. I I got no pleasure out of interrupting your interview with Marv Albert. I was laughing at his the seventy nine, the new seventy. Oh, yeah. Sorry, got to pull the curtain on Todd. Yeah, Paul. Dan, in case you missed it, it sounded like this. The 79 is the new 78. I'll be watching it. I hope it gets off. I think that... I like how you you know you made a mistake, and then you keep your mic on to tell me that you've got your mic on. I continued talking. To, oh, I'm not supposed to talk right now. The laugh was so great. The 79 is the new 78. <laughs> you know what? That's Bill Hader when Bill Hader did his Ooh, Keith Morrison. Very eerily similar to that. Yes. I felt bad. I, I forgot that my mic was on. Yes, Paul. Todd just blew a perfect game. He had four good guests. Yeah. He, he had a couple really nice well, lines on air and a couple good jokes. I think three good guests. Well, Pruitt, he didn't know what to expect, but Todd did a really good job today, and then he lost it in the ninth, gave up a two-run two double. We gave him credit for Mannix today. I mean, he was fun, but that's not all. Yeah, I'm sorry. Funny segment. Yeah, but Todd can book him anytime he wants. Yeah. All right, we'll come, back. 500, though. we'll come back. We'll close up shop here uh, right after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. All righty. Close up shop here. What an interesting day. You know, we had a little bit of fun with uh, Jeremy Pro, the Tennessee head coach, after he was on, uh, just because it was not a very <clears throat> entertaining interview. And he was maybe being a little overly cautious given what's going on. But uh, I don't know. Uh, the one thing that stood out, believe it or not, was not the awkward part of the interview. It was that he said zero players had tested positive for the virus at Tennessee. I find that hard to believe. If I just play the odds here, the percentages are around 5%. That's what you would expect, I think, for most of these schools. And look, maybe not comfortable telling you anything about that, but... Uh, LSU, quite a few players, what, over 30? Uh, you got Alabama. So, I don't know. Clemson, zero. That was the headline I took out of that. Uh, Lisa in California is joining us. Hi, Lisa. What's on your mind? Hi, Dan. I am a long time, very long time pre COVID listener, first time caller. Thank you. 53 127. I completely disagree with you. The best purchase ever on the disco ball. It should definitely be the Todd curtain. Oh, the, the, the Fritzy curtain. Correct. You love that. I do. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Lisa. That's very nice. Another satisfied customer yeah. of not seeing you on TV. Oh, well, ball boy. Yeah. There you go. Again. Todd, Todd's uh, getting. What, what did I do this time? We're Cur- testing it out? No, you... you oh, I'm need- not supposed to talk while this thing is a silence. Curtains, foiled again. Now, you interrupted Marv Albert, 
And then, then you say that you interrupted Marv Albert, and you kept your microphone on. How did that sound? The 79 is the new 78. <laughs> <you realize>. <laughs> <laughs> Todd. So, oh, uh, I have my mic. I'll be, I'll be watching it. I hope it gets off. <laughs> And here's Marv going, and so I'll be yeah. watching the next well, time yes. that I'm uh, just you, moving when on. When you said Todd, I thought that you were encouraging me to say something back to you. But... No. That's just... how I took that. I obviously misread that when you said Todd. I was like, oh, this is, I guess, become a little bit that I just screwed up. So I'm no, I was scolding you. To you. I was scolding you that you left your microphone on, and then... But then I was going to leave you hanging. If you said Todd, then I didn't respond to that. The 79 is the new 78. Todd. So, I'll be... Todd. Do we have, when, when Bill Hader was on, do we have that clip where Todd left his microphone on when Bill Hader was imitating uh, Keith Morrison? The guy, he, the guy he, he shot me. Shot you a dirty look. <laughs> no, no, no. He shot me with a gun and... Normally, it's embarrassing. Normally, your mics are off (laughs) during the interviews, and then once the interview is over, then you you can join in. But during the interview, it's usually my big no-no, and I just I broke a major, major rule there, unintentional. But uh, did you have a good day today? I thought I had a decent day today. Did you have a good day today is what I asked. I think I had a good day today. Okay. I, think I had a great, what looked like it was going to be a great day. It turned out to be a slightly above yes. average day. Uh, yes, well, see. he's pitching a perfect game and gave up a double <laughs> in the ninth. <laughs> I lost the perfect game. I lost the no-hitter. I lost the shutout. I lost the game. But what a memory you made today. We're never going to forget oh. it. But isn't never. this the day that Andy Hawkins threw a no-hitter but didn't get credit for no-hitter? I believe you are correct about so that. So you're Andy Hawkins. I just stepped right into with Andy. Wasn't he with, uh, wasn't it Yankees or White Sox, something like that? I think so. All right. What did you learn? Did, no, you don't I get don't your get microphone to. on. McLovin, what did you learn? If today? you leave your mic open by accident, just drop it. Don't explain <laughs> it. <laughs> Seton, what did you learn today? Uh, a classic soundbite from yeah. the toddler. Paulie, what did you learn? <laughs> <laughs> What we learned brought to you by Traeger Wood Fire Grill. Visit your local dealer. Head to TraegerGrills.com slash DP show to get started. Thanks for the phone calls, emails, tweets, all of the support during this pandemic. And even those who listened and watched prior to it. We'll talk to you tomorrow.